0: Thank you, worship team. I always appreciate when things don't go as we expect. You know, we were doing that one song, and then just randomly the screens were no longer there, and we're like, we didn't touch anything. We'll just wait. <laughs> How often does that happen, right? But it, um, it, it's one of those... Pastor Franklin shared a, a meme to the, the tech guys this week, and it was um, a person had turned to a pillar of salt because they look back at the sound booth when the screen went blank. <laughs> so luckily, we're not all pillars of salt today, but, uh, but it is good to have a, a live uh, working bodies here in church today. We welcome you uh, this morning. Um, just a few announcements that I'll share, uh, but first, I appreciate our, our worship team. Um, you know, they, we had a couple people who were out sick and and, you know, Franklin said he, you know, came in and appreciate him sharing his heart and filled in. But then Nick also jumped in as well. So we're, we're blessed and thankful to have our, uh, our talented, flexible worship team. Um, we're restarting our Bible studies this Wednesday at 630. And um, the ladies are studying the cost of control. Um, It makes me think of like thinking that everything should work perfectly. We can't control that. So maybe that's what they'll talk about. Maybe not. But it's the cost of control, why we crave it, the anxiety it gives us, and the real power God promises. So that's what the ladies are studying. And I believe the men are studying Genesis. No. Discipleship. There. We're discipling on discipleship. It's not redundant, but that's what we're studying, right? Okay. So that's this starting this Wednesday um, at 6.30 here at the church. We'll hope, we hope you can make it. Um, we also, as always, we thank you for your faithful tithes and offerings. We, we can't do what we do here uh, for God and his church here in Cadyville without your support. We appreciate that. Um, the ways that you can give are up here, either online or in person, drop boxes in the back, et cetera. Um, we also support some overseas missionaries, uh, three families that are working overseas. And if you'd like to support them specifically, just write missions and an amount as part of your offering. We thank you for that. Um, so the scripture reading this morning Martha's, Martha's going to do is the beginning of the story on what uh, uh, Reverend Paul Detmer is going to preach on um, So we we appreciate all the people who help us fill in uh, speaking and bringing God's message to us. So we uh, we thank you for coming, brother, uh, and your lovely wife. Uh, Martha, if you'll come up and read the scripture, that'll get us started. morning. This morning I'm reading from Acts 12, 1 through 5. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with a sword. When he saw that this pleased the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover, so Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him.
1: Good morning, it's good to see each one of you and I'm glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning and uh, this morning back in the motel where we stayed at last night because we're about three hours away, um, I just prayed for God's presence here this morning and I don't know about you but I've sensed that here. A number of months back, um, I was sitting in my car outside the hospital in Ogdensburg, my wife was in, having some therapy on her back, and I saw someone come out that reminded me, one of the ladies from the church we attend, um, was in ICU and uh, they said she was at the end of her life. I knew her husband, wonderful Christian man, And uh, I said, boy, I should visit. We were on a time schedule that day. But the next time I took her up, I decided to go in. And I'm so glad I did. Our pastor happened to be away. And so I went into the ICU, and her husband welcomed me and had me come into the room. And um, we were talking together. She could barely speak. And all of a sudden, I just started to sing quietly to her. He is here, hallelujah. He is here, amen. He is here, holy, holy. I will bless his name again. And when I finished that song, I leaned in to her and I said, he is our peace. And she said, and our joy. And that was the last words, I believe, she said. She didn't speak after that. She lived for a couple more days. But I just thought, oh, the presence of the Lord, I sensed in that ICU unit, I sense here today. And I am very thankful that we can be together and we can worship with you. My wife and I have um, spent some time traveling to different churches. while I served as uh, chaplain, Protestant chaplain at the Psychiatric Center and Addiction Treatment Center in Ogdensburg, New York. And um, it's been our joy to fill in at different Wesleyan churches. And uh, we've traveled a lot of roads. One road sign I've learned to hate. It's this one. We uh, attended a funeral this week, and when we left to go to the funeral meal, I went to Turn in One Street, and I saw a dead-end sign. I said, nope, that's not the road we want. (laughs) But how about you? Did you ever feel you were on a dead end? I think of the sadness that both Christians and non-Christians face when certain things come to an end. A death, sell the homestead, close a business, close a church, close a church campground. This uh, week, uh, no, this month in my devotions, beginning of January, I often try to pick out a phrase or a word for the new year. And this one, this one word came to me this year. My word for 2023 is possible, is possible. And I thought of two verses that I had put to memory, inspired by something my older brother said one day outside of his home along the St. Lawrence River. And I'm gonna tell you the story of my brother near the end of this message. but. I put to memory Matthew 19.25 and 19.26 that says, the disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved, they ask? Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it is impossible. But with God, everything is possible. In another one of the gospels in Luke's gospel, It's put this way, Luke 18, 27. Jesus replied, The things that are impossible with men are possible with God. I love this story in Acts chapter 12. I was reading it one day, and when I was reading it, I saw dead end possibilities. And it kind of fit my word for the year, possible. Uh, so I thought I would share this message with you today. Acts chapter 12, uh, verses 1 through 5 were read to us. I just want to continue to reading. I'll read verse 5 again and read on through verse 17. So Peter was kept in prison, but prayer was being made earnestly to God for him by the church. I don't know about you, but I love the church. I've never been in a perfect church, because when I'm there, it's not perfect. (laughs) But I love the church. On the night before Herod was to bring him out for execution, Peter, bound with two chains, was sleeping between two soldiers, while the sentries in front of the door guard in the prison. Now that verse doesn't match the King James quite exactly. It says he was guarded by four squads of four soldiers. Sixteen soldiers were guarding Peter. And it says suddenly, verse 7, an angel of the Lord appeared and light shone in the cell. Striking Peter on the side, he woke him up and said, quick, get up when the chains fell off his wrists. Get dressed, the angel told him, and put on your sandals. And he did so. Now, I just want to say, I know most of the men in the Bible are male angels, Gabriel and Michael, I'm convinced this was a female. Look what she says next. This angel was a female. Put on your coat, (laughs) it's cold outside, your mother's cold. (laughs) (laughs) Wrap your cloak around you, uh, told him, or she told him, and follow me. When he went out and followed, and he did not know that what took place through the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision, after they passed the first and second guard posts, they came to the iron gate that leads into the city, which opened to them by itself. And they went outside and passed one street, and immediately the angel disappears. The angel left. Then Peter came to himself, or maybe pinched himself, and said, now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's grasp, and from all that the Jewish people expected. When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many had assembled and were praying. He knocked at the door in the gateway, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer. She recognized Peter's voice, and because of her joy, she didn't open the gate but ran back inside and announced that Peter was standing at the gate. You love the way the church responds to answer prayer? You're crazy, they told her. <laughs> but she kept insisting that it was true. Then they said, oh, It's his angel. He's been killed, it's his angel. Peter, however, kept knocking. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astounded. Motioning them with his hand to be silent, he explained how the Lord had brought him out of the prison Report these things to James and to the brothers, he said. Then he departed and went to a different place. Three dead-end possibilities I see in this passage. The first is this. What appears to be the end may actually be a new beginning. That's true for the child of God facing death. I appreciate that third song the worship team sang today. It was powerful. That's true when Jesus was crucified. He had died. Dead end was written all over it. Remember when Jesus had bowed his head after he said it is finished, the leading soldier, leading Roman soldier said, uh, break their legs and make sure they're dead. But when they came to Jesus, they said, he's already dead. He's dead as a doornail, so to speak. Boy, at this point, I'd like the worship team to sing that third song about the resurrection. And I love Easter, and I love, and and when I pray, I often love to say, living God, living Christ, It never became quite as real to me as in 1992, when on Easter morning we said goodbye to my dad and my mom. He drove away in the camper, and at three o'clock in the morning, or thereabouts, the phone rang and my sister Rose was in tears and she said, Daddy just died. And I went in and saw my folk and we're them we were there for a couple days when we went home and got my wife and our children and we went into the funeral we came back home and our mailbox at the church we were pastoring was just loaded with sympathy cards but I'll never forget what one said it was from Maud an elderly saint in our church Maud wrote dear brother Detmer I want you to know that your dad is more alive than ever before and boy, that just went through me, and I rejoiced in the resurrection. It's true for the child of God facing death. Thank God for the resurrection. It's true for the Christian facing dead ends. You notice the scripture says James was killed. Herod, had James killed with the sword and now Peter was arrested, and they planned to execute him, and Peter's in jail between 16 soldiers, and I I can almost hear Peter saying, well, Lord, this is it. This is the end. Have you ever felt that way? Well, this is the end. Uh, That'll take care of that. But that doesn't stop God from working. Sometimes we think it's the end, but we're wrong. Peter was wrong. It wasn't the end of his life. I remember visiting an older woman in Jersey Shore Pennsylvania Hospital near Logan, where we pastored. Uh, her husband had died, she had taken care of him. He had uh, one leg had been amput- amputated and and now she was in the hospital, and she had cancer, and so I slipped in and visited her and prayed for her and got in my car and drove through the mountain between Jersey Shore and Logan Inn to go back to my parsonage. I still could take you in the spot of the road where I turned into a back mountain road to head towards our parsonage when the Lord seemed to say to my spirit, Paul, you didn't pray for her healing. Well, I didn't, because this is the end. Do you know what God did? He healed her. In spite of me, it wasn't the end. And isn't that just like us sometimes? We're so human, what we think is the end may be a new beginning with God. And it's true for the Christian facing difficult things to understand. James was killed, and Peter's put in prison, and we know the rest of the story. God sends an angel to deliver him, but we don't understand. Why did he let James get killed, but not Peter? Did he love Peter more than James? No. Sometimes things happen in life, isn't it true, that we just don't understand? years ago i was reading the our daily bread devotional and it was a fall issue and it was the t- title of that devotional was god is good and it was a story about a woman whose husband was running down o'hare airport down the halls trying to make his flight and he missed it And the plane took off and crashed. And she wrote, God is so good, my husband missed the plane. But then in the winter issue, I came across another devotional that was entitled, God is still good. And this woman said, In the last issue, you read the story about the woman whose husband didn't make the plane. I want to tell you the flip side of that issue. My husband was also a Christian, and he ran to make that flight, and he made it, and he was killed. But I want you to know that even though we don't understand, God is still good. And I believe that's so true, isn't it? Sometimes things happen that we don't understand, but God is still good. I can't tell you why one is healed and one is not. Why one is miraculously restored to life and one dies. But I believe God is just and he's fair and he knows his business. This morning my niece and her husband are on a cruise in the Caribbean. I'm not turning green, am I? No, no, okay. I performed their wedding 25 years ago in Michigan. It was on a Saturday. We stayed over Sunday with my uh, sister and her husband. We went to the Nazarene church there and I'll never forget the choir got up and sang when answers aren't enough, there is Jesus. And the Spirit of the Lord came on that service. And while the choir's singing, a young woman steps out, and she sang a solo part. And she sang in the spirit, and she just seemed to glow. On the way home, I said, who was it who sang that solo? Oh, you mean Kim. We got to tell you a story about her, Pastor. When she was uh, in, I think it was Olivet, Nazarene College, she was touring with a choir, just getting ready for spring tour, when she got a sore throat and she went to see the doctor and the doctor looked down her throat and went, Oh! Forgot his manners. Her, her throat was filled with tumors. They did a test and they were cancerous. She called home and asked the church to pray. The doctor said, we're going to try to save some of your voice so you'll be able to talk, but you'll never sing again. So the church was praying and they scheduled for surgery and she went into the hospital for the surgery. They sent her down to uh, do x-rays once again to see how the tumors and the tumors were gone. And she sang that Sunday morning, beautifully. On the flip side of that, my Aunt Irene, my mom's younger sister, I remember coming home from Bible college one day and mom was crying, I said, what's wrong? They said they did surgery and on Irene today. Remember, she's not, yeah, she's filled with cancer. I think it started in the lungs my aunt never smoked a day in her life and my aunt irene eventually died of that cancer did god love kim more than my aunt irene no you know church sometimes there's things that happen in life that are hard for us to understand but i'm learning i can trust jesus even when I don't understand things that are happening in life. Remember that old song says, Father along, we'll know all about it. Father along, we'll understand why. Another song says, we'll understand it better by and by. And I believe that. The second thing I see here in these dead-end possibilities is when there's no earthly way don't forget about the heavenly possibilities. I remember one year when we were pastoring in Huvelton the community went together and we did a community vacation Bible school. One day it was at the Presbyterian Church, one day the Methodist Church, one day in our Wesleyan Church. And it so happened that we were in the Methodist Church and it was my turn to give the lesson. It was on Andrew, Telling about when his brother Peter was put in prison by Heron. And I dressed up like a disciple and I'm trying to portray how Andrew's feeling. And he says, My brother's in prison. And he was locked between 16 soldiers. And I, I said, There was no way we could bust my older brother out. And that's the way we feel as humans. There's no earthly way we can do it. But I love what the scripture says in verse 6. First of all, we witness the divine timing of the Lord. On the night before Herod was to bring him out for execution, Peter, bound with two chains, was sleeping between two soldiers while the sentries were in front of the door guarding the prison. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared in a light shone in the cell. I don't know about you, but I am amazed at God's timing of things. How he can time things that no one else could possibly time. I read years ago about a church in uh, one of the Dakotas, North or South Dakota, that was having an evening Sunday service and the pianist stopped at a friend to leave something off. She had been ill and the friend just needed to talk and she was late to church. The organist stopped at a friend who had cancer and she needed to talk and she was late for church. Another woman had a flat tire on the way to church the pastor and his wife had a young girl, and uh, they're getting ready for church. And the young girl spilled something all over her dress, and the wife said, "Honey, you go and I'll, I'll we'll catch up." No, he said, "We're going to do this together." The pastor and his wife were late. At 7:32, church started at 7:30. 7.30, at 7:32 the church blew apart from a gas leak. And no one was there. We not only witnessed the divine timing, we witnessed the divine hearing. Verse 5 says, So Peter was kept in prison, but prayer was being made earnestly to God for him by the church. I believe in divine hearing. I love what Psalm 34, verse 15 says, The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry for help. And then in verses 6 through 11, we witness the divine deliverance. When he's chained And in prison with those 16 soldiers guarding him, God sends an angel from heaven. Often when there's no earthly way, don't forget about the heavenly possibilities. Luke 18, 27 says, Jesus replied, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. And I believe that. True story. in our first pastorate, it was Thanksgiving time, so my wife and I planned to go back to the farm I grew up on, where were seven of us kids. My oldest brother George was named after my dad who was George, George Sr. and George Jr. And so we, we went in and I got in the farmhouse and my mom said, dad's not here right now. He's down at, at your oldest brother's. I said, oh, okay. He said, he'll, he'll be back in a little bit. So we got our boys around and we were just enjoying some of the family that were there. When dad walked in and said he's coming and I thought, yeah, I, I know George is coming with his family up for Thanksgiving. No, Paul. He's coming. What do you mean, Dad? He's going to be saved. He was the only one of us siblings that wasn't saved. I'm the pastor in Logan in Pennsylvania, and I looked at my dad and said, you talking about my brother? <laughs> well, my dad said, "No, he's coming. He's going to be saved." My dad could see something that I couldn't see. As I said just a minute ago, in 1992, Tuesday morning after Easter, my dad died suddenly. My brother George told me later when God began to get a hold of his heart. We were at the Cherryville Wesleyan Church for my dad's funeral. The body was in the casket in the vestibule of the church. It was open and people could also do the calling hours before the service. And us kids were waiting on the side and then it was time. And before they closed the casket, they let each of us come in, beginning with my youngest and me and then all. George was last and he and his wife walked with my mom. When they got there my mom reached in the casket and got my dad's Bible and she turned to my brother and says, son, it has your name on it. You should have this. George later told me that with the tears running down his face that that's when God began to get a hold of my heart. A couple weeks after the funeral, George got saved. We just do not know. Last point is this. (laughs) Why is it, church, that we expect so little when God has so much to give? Some praying Christians are excited and ecstatic when God answers prayer. Praise the Lord! Hallelujah! The church that was gathered, gathered at uh, Mary's house, mother of John Mark, said to Rhoda, you're crazy. <laughs> it's not Peter out there. Oh, we know. He's been killed. It's his angel. <laughs> Some praying Christians just expect the worst. It's his angel. <laughs> I remember I was I left Hubleton and went down to Syracuse one day to uh, University Hospital. One of the men who attended our evening service was uh, gonna have surgery and uh, Bob was there in, having surgery and his wife, Patty, was up in the room and when I got to the front desk, I inquired about where I could you know, meet the family because I got there after surgery started. And so they called up to the waiting room and when Patty heard her name called, She goes, that's it, Bob's dead, Bob's dead. It was just after Paul wanting to know where she was. But some praying Christians are astonished. I can't believe it. God answered prayer. Come on. We can expect God to answer prayer. John Newton, you know, wrote Amazing Grace, and we love that song, but he also wrote some other songs. This one I love, it's about God has power to answer far beyond our prayer, our imagination, like Ephesians 3.20 says, now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask. Or think. What are our prayers like? We have asked for a cupful of water when the ocean remains. We have asked for a sunbeam while the sun abides. John Newton wrote this Come, my soul, thy suit prepare. Jesus loves to answer prayer, He Himself has bid thee pray. Therefore will not say thee nay. Thou art coming to a king, large petitions with thee bring. For his grace and power are such, none can never ask too much. That same Maud who wrote me, your dad is more alive than ever before. She used to always challenge me to pray big, Pastor Paul. Isaiah 7:11 says, "Make thy petitions deep." So we started praying for Maud's husband. He had been unsaved for 30 years, and she had prayed for him. In one revival meeting we had in our church, I'm getting the hymnals in place up front and my Bible, and I look up and Maud came home. Her husband was with her. Make a long story short, that service, some came to the altar to pray, and someone, when I was praying up at the altar, Someone tapped me on the shoulder and said, Woodrow is kneeling in his pew. You better go back and speak to him. He was in church for the first time in 30 years. I didn't want to turn him off. And they said, you better go back and speak to him. I was just a young pastor in my 20s. I wish I had a movie of myself going back there. I think I went back like this. Just on my tiptoes not wanting to say the wrong thing and I s- s- knelt down in the pew and then I slid over a side of Woodrow. And I, I remember saying something like this, Woodrow, do you believe the Lord could save you? Yes, sir. <laughs> Woodrow, are you ready for the Lord to save you? no sir God hasn't drawn me yet I said Woodrow that's a good answer I know it has to be the spirit of the Lord that draws you and I started to slip back away and go up and I stopped and I slid back to Woodrow I said Woodrow just so you know you don't have to be inside the church building for the Lord to save you you could be out on your tractor i know woodrow was retired now but he liked his tractor i said you could be out your tractor you could be you could be sitting on your couch in the living room wherever you are when you know the spirit of god is dealing with your heart to trust in jesus alone to save you from your i said wherever you are and i slipped up my hand i said just raise your hand say yes That was on a Friday night. I was watching Saturday night, Woodrow came. Sunday morning, morning service like this. When we got to church, and in that church we had a tradition of kneeling on Sunday morning for prayer, and we did, when we got up from our knees, Maud is up front, in front of the altar, walking back and forth, tears running down her eyes, and said, pray for Woodrow, pray for Woodrow. We said, what happened? He said, we were watching an evangelist on TV this morning when all of a sudden, He raised his hand and said, yes. The things that are impossible with men are possible with God. I believe that, church. And I believe God wants to do some things that only he can do. I want to ask you this. Have you feared some dead ends at work or church or family or with health issues or with unsaved family members? As the worship team comes, and then I'll close in prayer after they sing, it's, I feel, my calling to prepare you to realize that in Christ, there are dead-end possibilities. So keep believing the things that are impossible with man are possible with God. stand with us. team for leading us to our Lord Jesus and his great power I hope you'll have a blessed week a fun week, a week where you can laugh and rejoice in the Lord one week after we was saved on a Sunday night, Maud stood up on this end of the church and she says I think I've got more kisses this past week than I did in the past 10 years <laughs> from her elderly husband whose life was changed Church, let's hold on to two things. First of all, that with God, everything is possible. Secondly, if there's one who needs to surrender to the Lord, like uh, I believe the assistant pastor testified a little earlier, uh, just wherever you are, whether you're in church or not, just say yes. Lord, I surrender to you. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for these people. They're the church. We're going out into a world that desperately needs you. We want to live with a hope. Help us to live with a joy. Help us to do little things for people, extra things that will make a difference. Help us to serve, as Jesus, you put it, to wash others' feet. May they see the love the church has. And Lord, some that are in this community that we never thought would be saved, (laughs) oh, help us to believe you, God. With God, all things are possible. Dear Jesus, we count it a joy to go out into the world and to show, first of all, with our lives then to tell with our lips the wonders of jesus help us to serve with gladness and joy in jesus precious name we pray i pray your blessing upon these people this church in jesus precious name amen